0: FYI, this podcast contains spoilers.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 55 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Binnable, and on this episode, we're going to do all of August. All the Wolverine appearances in August of 2013 in one blockbuster episode to end the summer. A lot of books and I uh, kind of got delayed on this because we decided to do the uh, anniversary slash 50th episode movie review, and that kind of put me behind on some of the, the current books. But I hope you feel like that episode is worth it. That said, we're also right, you know, on the cusp of Battle of the Atom actually it comes out this week for when i'm recording this so i want to get to that pretty soon and of course the the digital weekly episodes we've been doing on japan's most wanted so all that to say is um if i fudge a little bit of the editing on this episode i hope you'll forgive me i may not be as uh diligent I'm making sure there's no mistakes or too many breaths or lip smacks. I'll still try to cut out as many as I can, but basically I'm going to kind of give myself a deadline. And wherever I'm at at that point, I'll probably just mix down and give you the episode. And I hope you will, um, under the circumstances, accept that this time. Because I'm pretty stoked about Battle on the Atom and pretty anxious to talk about it. Anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's get into some comics. Alright, here we go. Okay, so first up for this month, we have Wolverine number 8, which will be Killable, Part 1 of 6.
0: Does that mean it's going to kill me to read it? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Oh, dear.
1: All right, so this is written by Paul Cornell, penciled by Alan Davis, inked by Mark Farmer, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, lettered by VCs Corey Pettit, and then Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Jason Keith did the cover. What do you think of this cover, Denise? Oh, by the way, Denise will be joining us for this segment.
0: Like if anybody didn't know. <laughs> I, I swear people probably listen in just to hear me like get frustrated over this one. Maybe so. Um, I really enjoyed this cover. Yeah, partially I like it a lot. because there's a lot of action going on. Yeah. And Wolverine's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> about he's, time the table's turned. <laughs> he's
1: getting beat by the Black Panther. And i really, really I think I may have said this last time. Uh, when we did Wolverine number seven. But I like Alan Davis's Black Panther a lot. He looks really cool. And there'll be some interesting takes he did on the inside, I'll point out as well. But really striking cover. Just makes Black Panther look really powerful. He's knocking Wolverine over.
0: He looks got, very muscular.
1: Yes, he does. He's pretty jacked. And we got a storm in the background. He's kind of floating around with some lightning.
0: <laughs> she looks a little hippie. I don't mean that in a peace, love, and... Oh,
1: oh, right, right. She, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, um, I do like the, uh, the killable, I guess... What would you call this, like?
0: Well, in advertising, we call it a bug. So okay. it's kind of like a series logo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it'd be the logo for the for the story arc. Right. It looks pretty cool. I like it.
0: It does look pretty cool.
1: Oh, so, we start off... Now, remember where we left off? Previously. Previously. Um, Of course, we have the little microverse baddies are trying to take over the world, and they have started killing off everyone who can fight or manipulate germs. Right. And so the last ever possibly known germ manipulator is being held prisoner in Wakanda.
0: Yeah, that's all new to me. Wakanda's a
1: whole new... Oh, I thought you meant the story part. We talked about it last night. No. Yeah, no. All right, so it's in Wakanda, which is a fictional African nation in the Marvel universe. It's very technologically advanced. Okay. And Black Panther used to be the king. Now his sister is the queen, and he is doing some other stuff. And so remember, of course, that Storm and Black Panther just got divorced. and Aww, Wolverine,
0: so
1: sad. Wolverine and Storm are kind of an item now yeah and they've gone to wakanda to try and figure out if the black panther has been controlled or not yeah because they're worried what the what the microverse baddies can do with all the wakanda technology and power
0: are they that advanced
1: yes they're one of the most advanced in the marvel universe they're one of the most advanced nations on the planet okay just scientifically and technology wise
0: so politically they're like back in the stone age
1: no no they're just kind of probably normal i guess Okay. And it's a normal small monarchy, politically. Okay. So we open up with a full-page spread of basically what we see on the cover, and that's Black Panther knocking Wolverine out. Sweet. <laughs> I like the little uh, panther head building in the background. That looks cool.
0: That does look cool, but I'm kind of bummed that his little security guards don't have ears or something.
1: Well, they normally do. They normally... Do they? All right, well, no, all right, so these are just i guess regular security i guess wolverine without a healing factor doesn't deserve the elite guard the elite soldiers in wakanda are like the white they have like a white uniform that's similar to the black panther they have like white mask and white ears and a white uniform but it's kind of the same thing just opposite they look look pretty sweet
0: after you described it i'm kind of glad that they don't have ears
1: No, no. You, I'll show them to you later. They look pretty cool. Yeah, so it's a nice opening page. And uh, basically Black Panther is saying that, basically like, you know, when the UN wants to do an investigation, that's basically what S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing. The S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers are requested permission to come into Wakanda and check out what's going on. And Black Panther is basically saying, you know what, we agreed. They're on their way. You're, but you, you're an Avenger. Why? What are you? Are you is there like something underhanded going on? That's basically what he's getting at.
0: Yeah, but I won't lie. This was a little confusing when Black Panther asked Wolverine why he's acting so strange. It made me feel like Wolverine was infected, or was he just referring to the fact that Wolverine wasn't really fighting back?
1: Maybe a little bit. Wolverine definitely doesn't have his claws out. I also think, he, like, it's not. Wolverine wouldn't typically—I mean, him and Black Panther are at least on some level friends. So for him to kind of sneak into the country under the guise of like, while the Avengers and Shield are already coming, and just—I guess Black Panther wouldn't expect Wolverine to be so underhanded. Oh, okay. I like, normally, if Wolverine had a problem with Black Panther, he'd come in and, you know, they'd have words or, you know. Play poker and whatever. know. Yeah, but the whole like sneaking around and Black Panther doesn't see why Wolverine would be doing that. Okay. But Logan does scout. I like this title page, uh, Wolverine Killable Part 1 of 6. And it's just a uh, adamantium skull, just the top part, no jaw. And we see little shreds of Wolverine's costume and three little claw marks being dragged on the ground. It's a very ominous picture yeah. for a Wolverine fan.
0: It is, and the fact that okay so obviously the title killable and that there's six chapters to this right makes me kind of wonder if
1: there's a lot of rumors online is there yeah so we'll see
0: Ooh, divulge one rumor
1: i mean i guess the main one is that some people think that Wolverine's going to die at the end of this story
0: and then what happens to the book
1: goes away or someone and they can do what dc does i guess and someone else can just become wolverine for a while
0: what are you serious (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's like nine Green Lanterns. Actually, there's a bajillion Green Lanterns, but...
0: Oh my goodness. I could never work at a a comic business. Uh,
1: Legacy heroes. And Wolverine, for a while, there was a Dark Wolverine, which his son, Dawkins pretended to be him. That was a really good story. You're frowning, but you didn't read it.
0: My advertising branding hat would be like, no, there's no consistency. (laughs) No, we're not going to do this. These
1: comics are... I mean, these characters have been around forever. Wolverine's been around since 1974.
0: And he's been to hell and back. Yes. Literally.
1: All right. So we go to the SHIELD helicarrier two days ago. Wolverine Storm and Nick Fury and Maria Hill are having a meeting about the host.
0: Is that Lieutenant Tomato?
1: No, that's uh, Maria Hill.
0: Oh, okay. It looks an awful lot like Lieutenant. I'm tomato. pretty sure,
1: and then that's just similar facial features. Oh, okay. So they basically kind of explain what's going on. They explain the virus and what it's doing, and who the host is, and let's see why. What are these? What are these thermal readings they show? Are they, really don't no, they don't really explain. No, they don't. Okay. Um, so we find out that so they can't. Con- that the virus can't kill the host, and Marie Hill says makes her functionally immortal and wolverine's like wow lucky her and he smiles He says everyone's walking on eggshells around him but uh, basically they what they say that t'challa storm's ex-husband aka the black panther is the greatest tactical mind on earth and the virus may now have use of it and we don't know for sure so wolverine's gonna find out and just so we can remember what's going on, he has a Band-Aid on his chin. I guess he cut himself shaving again.
0: Yeah, I didn't get why he pulls it off.
1: And just to show us that he still is not healing. It's just a trick for the reader, I think. But he says he's going to go distract the Black Panther so everybody else can try to get to the host.
0: Dun-dun-dun. Yeah.
1: He's going to push his emotions, not his knowledge, trying to make him mad.
0: That's right, because infected people don't get mad, do they?
1: Well, I don't know really what they're trying to say there. I do want to say, I meant to point out something. I really enjoyed a few pages back, because uh, not everybody does this, how the Black Panther's mask really shows his facial features underneath. Yes. And the part where he's yelling at Wolverine, you see his nose. You see, like, his mouth screaming from behind the mask. It yeah. looks really cool.
0: It's very Spanish almost. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Hotness points.
1: <laughs> so Wolverine's getting up, Black Panther just punching him out. he says... He brings up a conversation that um, he overheard, I guess. or No, actually, no, they say that that Storm told him. Wolverine says, When it was you and her were negotiating your relationship, how you're not together no more, it was just two words, not him. I like how Wolverine's eyes, like his brow gets furrowed when he says that. Yeah. You can tell he's probably a little agitated about it too. Though he is trying to agitate Black Panther on purpose, he still looks.
0: So, so our, okay just to clarify what what wolverine's trying to say is that when him that when storm and black panther broke up yes black panther was like you can date whoever you want just not wolverine
1: yeah pretty much why i think he doesn't feel like wolverine's an adequate replacement for him (laughs) So, like, like don't go so well, with that guy, I think, pretty much is what he was getting at.
0: You know, guys who do that know that that person's the inferior, or, like, they're inferior to the other person.
1: Maybe so. But Black Panther looks pretty awesome, the shadow work here.
0: He does look pretty awesome. Although he looks like he has one of those stick-on mustaches in the bottom panel. No, see,
1: I disagree. I think it's him showing... Is Alan Davis showing him smiling underneath the mask?
0: No, it looks like one of those fuzzy stick on <laughs> mustaches. <laughs> He's mustachely happy.
1: The Black Panther's like, I can't believe she told you about that.
0: Well, duh, they're dating. <laughs> if they have any good relationship, they're going to know.
1: I like Wolverine's retort to that. He says, I'm interested that you thought a badass white storm needed protecting because I thought you were so noble. And, you know, not all controlling about telling your exes who they can step out with like you're 13. Then Black Panther has a revelation as he smiles and or grows a fuzzy mustache. (laughs) A Raleigh Fingers mustache. But he knows why Wolverine's really here. And then Storm talks about uh, how basically how zen Black Panther is and that Wolverine's not going to be able to get under his skin. But Wolverine says, he disagrees, says not when it comes to new.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Does that mean Black Panther still has feelings?
1: I think so, yeah. Or he never said that to you. <laughs> like how Storm says, And you care so hugely about that more than I do <laughs> Which of course he would. I think Storm's, you know, he's gotta wonder, like they they were married and pretty happily married until A V X. And then the stuff that went down there and drove them apart, so it really wasn't even like they fell out of love. They just ended up on the wrong side ideologically
0: so there's still love
1: there's still possible yeah okay um, we'll, we'll see i think storm's pretty pretty into wolverine right now so i don't i don't as a reader don't really see that wolverine is all that threatened but i can see where wolverine would feel that way and uh storm talks about him being mortal then is brought a lot to the surface wolverine probably doesn't even know how much but even his voice is different It's raw like you're always shivering i thought that was a really good line
0: it was a really good line
1: when Wolverine goes off, he kind of almost like pushes her away in a way. Yeah. And says, yeah, we well, don't get used to it. We find the host and defeat this virus. I get my healing powers back. And Storm says, okay, well, just make sure this is really about the mission, though. <laughs> like, you're going to try to piss off Black Panther for the mission, not just because you want to fight with him, right? Right?
0: Right. Because, you know, you can't heal right. anymore.
1: And so we go back to the present and Black Panther is talking about how he knows that Wolverine is vulnerable and thinks that he's just here trying to prove himself. Ooh. To prove he can still go and confront the nasty man who said bad things about your girl. I know Aurora can take care of herself, but can you? I've seen your berserk rages. I've seen the damage you can do. And Wolverine just smiles and Black Panther gets all in his ear. And he says, and this is bound to get worse now that you're afraid of death. I like, again, how you can see him kind of whispering through the mask. It looks really cool.
0: Well, and I like how that panel separated, too.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's it's just, I don't know. There's something about it. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. I like it a lot, too. I almost like a separation between what Black Panther's saying
0: and, and how, how it
1: is or isn't affecting Wolverine. Exactly. Yeah. Like a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Then Wolverine comes back. and says, I carried the banners of the noble families of Japan before you were born. You don't know the weight I've carried, all I've stood for. You only see the Wolverine? Fine, the Wolverine's all you'll get. And my Panther just keeps talking more trash, and we get a snicked. I like how the snick is below Wolverine's eye, as his, he kind of starts to squint in anger again. Then Wolverine growls as he goes at the panther. Then we switch to the Wakandan jungle, and... <laughs> Storm and her two little teammates kind of look like monkeys jumping out of the tree. Yes, they do. So that was kind of humorous. But basically it's Storm and uh, Fury. Victoria Frankenstein.
0: And Nick Fury.
1: And Nick Fury. And they're coming in. They're going to be the, uh, the strike team that goes for the host. But uh, Victoria Frankenstein has a virus monitoring device and tells them not to trust anyone breathing.
0: And yet she smiles, and I don't trust her in that panel when she's (laughs) smiling.
1: I don't really either. It doesn't really pan out in this particular issue, but we'll see how it goes. They get to the base where they're holding the host. They think it's weird that all the troops are just standing there not doing anything.
0: Because they're infected.
1: And then uh, Storm electrocutes them all (laughs) with lightning. That's one way of doing it. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked uh, Alan Davis visually. Kind of the electricity to leaving her hand, which looked really cool. So we go back to Wolverine and Black Panther fighting. I like how you can see almost like Black Panther's claws come out, which I don't know if that's yeah. part of his power or not.
0: I, you know, I tried to figure that one out.
1: Because it looks like definitely the claws are sharper than they were a minute ago. Yeah. So I don't know if that's something in his glove or something that's part of him. I don't really remember about Black Panther. But Black Panther makes a first contact and he makes an interesting point about Wolverine about how his fighting style is based on his ability to take damage that right? is kind of wild and observation out of yeah
0: which is it's that's easier to fight
1: right you know you can't you know you're gonna bounce back yeah and it doesn't matter if you get hit in the face
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but Wolverine's down but not out and he gets back up as black Panther turns his back to him. and I like how his eyes get wide when Wolverine strikes at him almost like he's scared And I can't tell. He goes through the little hologram, does he? Is that shreds of his uniform there? Does he get a little bit of Black Panther, just barely?
0: I think you know. I didn't realize that that light blue thing was the hologram being shredded. Yeah. I I think because the hologram's kind of yellow and green in the first panel. Oh right. So it threw me off. I was like, where did this come from? It seemed materializing water, and then
1: (laughs) yes, Wolverine now has water powers. Yeah, um, And then somehow he backhands Black Panther in the face without cutting him, and his claws are and still out. And turning around?
0: Because, you know, the way he's positioned in the middle. I well, he, he
1: strikes and lands, and then comes back with a backhand. Is the way I kind of saw it. Okay. But either way, the art's pretty cool. So basically, the, the we go back to our strike team, and the guards, they've alerted the guards, and they electrocuted the other guards, so everybody in the prison is coming to them. And then he has a little, like, electronic wasp, and it goes in and knocks everything out
0: somehow? I think it goes in and stings everybody. Oh. And knocks them out. So I think, like...
1: It works pretty damn fast.
0: Yeah. I think we're supposed to assume that a couple minutes go by. Okay. Of course, how each person falls down and no one goes, what's wrong with Ted?
1: (laughs) Right? Hey, Billy. Yeah. But we see the host in a stasis tube, but suddenly they're being shot at. And Black Panther says something about, um... He should have trusted Wolverine, but he didn't want the virus to find out about his team until they've achieved their objective. He goes, I know about your team. Do you get that? I know about the virus. I'm using your team to make the infected reveal themselves. I'm going to step back now. I'm going to step back and trust you to control your rage. And he says, Logan, all I'm infected with, and he pulls off his mask and he's got little breathing tubes, is a certain foolishness about Storm.
0: Aw, he's still in love. He
1: still has feelings for it. he didn't really like I said, the breakup was uh, strenuous. Um so Black Panther starts communicating with his troops and says, um what does he say? <laughs> he deactivates all the weapons of the troops that were taken over. So they can't gotcha. they can't fight. And that's we notice they stop shooting at that point and um <laughs> All right, Frankenstein says, if they start firing again, you'll find details of my will about how to bring me back to life.
0: That girl's creepy. <laughs> yeah,
1: she is. So then we see a field medic is working on Wolverine. Wolverine doesn't like being used, but Black Panther says, I wanted the virus to send all of the forces to protect the host. And Wolverine says that he didn't mean to lose control. He came here to make you lose control, but I didn't. Oops. <laughs> And Black Panther says, none of my business, though it does seem to me that you haven't dealt with some inner demons that could. And Wolverine says, you were right the first time. Ain't none of your business. <laughs> and the storm shows up, and her and Black Panther just kind of stare at each other.
0: Aw, Black Panther has a weird Scooby-Doo face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's smiling again under his mask. He says, finally, I know it took a lot for you to break your word. Be free of that obligation now. So basically, she had promised Black Panther never to come back to Wakanda. Oh, okay. Because the last time she was there, the X-Men were uh, fighting all the AVX stuff. You can listen to those episodes if you want all the details. <laughs> okay. Um, so they introduce them to the host. And she says, I, I want to kill you all with tuberculosis. But but they've explained a few things. And, and, and Dr. Frankenstein says, and she wants to hear more. Result. And then Wolverine gets a phone call on his iPhone. And he's shot. <gasps>
0: Oh, and we see no.
1: Mystique at the school with a big sword about to attack some students.
0: So why did but Mystique... But that was an odd
1: turn for the story, I thought.
0: Yeah, well, she's got Wolverine's cell phone number.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Or she hacked it somehow.
0: Okay, she's I, a super see... villain. She can... I can just see it now. Hi, I'm Mystique. I'm a villain. Hi, I'm Wolverine. I'm a hero. We should totally swap numbers.
1: Maybe she hacked it. Uh-huh. Or she snug into in the school. I'm sure his phone number's on file. And who's the taking offices, the picture? She sent it to him.
0: Uh-huh. And how did she take the picture? Well, I she guess doesn't have it. It's not a selfie. I guess
1: there's other bad guys there. Okay. Sabretooth is in the New Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. with, I'm sorry. Mystique is with Sabretooth. And all the guys in Wolverine in the Hellfire Saga we're talking about. So they're all teammates. So it, it I just be, think it's It can stupid. be any one of them.
0: I think it's stupid to send your your enemy a picture of you breaking into their house and going, hee, 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 look where I am. I bet you can't make it here fast enough.
1: And what well, obvious way, that is what she's doing. She wants Wolverine to come back for whatever reason, whether it's her or whether the virus has Mystique, which would be crazy. Yeah. Because they can do all kinds of things with that because she can shapeshift. Or Mystique's just taking advantage of the fact that Wolverine can be killed and says, all right. I'm going to kill your students unless you come back and fight me so I can kill you. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards, but it can be the virus too. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell if this is like a uh, detour from the story or part of the story. So we'll have to see next issue. Yeah. But what do you think about this issue?
0: Okay, so I was totally rocking and rolling until we hit the last panel. Okay. Because I thought, It didn't bother me. Are you going to throw us something else? Remember what happened last time you threw us something else? The incubator with the bodies in it that you never (laughs) explained. You
1: never will. No, I'm still bitter about that one. I'm telling you, it's just a way to store all the viruses and disperse it. Flaw, flaw, flaw. I don't think so. Of all the things I didn't like, I had no trouble with that one.
0: That was the one that bugged me almost the most.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so but the rest of it. What did you think of the issue up until the last page?
0: I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was back to back to form. Almost as seven and eight are kind of returning it to the story to as good as it started to me.
0: Well, and I think this one did a really good job of bouncing back and forth between sort of like the two ongoing scenarios
1: like right, you have the virus story and you have the story of wolverine kind of his character journey during this this period
0: no i mean more of like wolverine and black panther oh and the then, chronology yeah okay yeah. and then storm and what she's trying to accomplish and so the back and forth it's kind of like right you get a little bit of wolverine and black panther then they jump to storm and her team and you get a little bit of them and then something happens and they jump back it was very um I don't want to say Pulp Fiction-y, but, it was, no. but the idea of jumping back and forth.
1: Right. It, it, made, this, it, it made the pacing go very well.
0: Yes. And yeah. it kept you intrigued.
1: Yeah. And so I thought the art was amazing. What do you think of the art? I it was Oh, great. yeah.
0: It was stellar.
1: Okay. Well, anything else you want to say about this one? I felt like as central as the virus was to the story, it didn't feel as dumb to me in this issue. I don't really know why.
0: I think it's I just, because... It was easier to swallow. I think it's because it's not...
1: I think because the healing factor business is all done with.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's
1: really the part that bugged me the most.
0: Well, and the fact that they know how it travels. Right. And they know, it's kind of like, well, we can come up with our own defense system. Right. But.
1: I don't know, I just the idea of, of kind of the chess game that Black Panther was playing with the virus. Yeah. It just and played really well on this issue. So, when you want to grade it?
0: I think this might be a first or a second, but it's actually going to get three claws
1: wow okay i was kind of on the fence all right so denise gives it three out of three claws you know i think i am too i was kind of real, like a really really hard two or not so hard three but i'm gonna go with the three so we're both gonna give wolverine number eight three out of three claws all right we got a lot to cover this episode so let's move on okay so next up we're gonna have a double shot of and the x-men When Wolverine and the X-Men number 34 and 35, which will be parts 4 and 5 of the Hellfire Saga. So we'll start with number 34. It is written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Nick Bradshaw, inked by Walden Wong, colors by Laura Martin, and letters are by V.C.'s Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Maury Hollowell. What do you think of this cover, Denise? I
0: think it's flipping awesome.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. This was actually the uh, the promo art for the Hellfire Saga.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: And basically, it's uh, King Kilgore sitting on like a Hellfire Academy throne. Because he his, made himself the king. Yeah, doing his do- best Dr. Evil impersonation. Or, uh, no, more like Mr. Burns. <laughs> yes, it is yeah.
0: more burns
1: Then And you yeah, have Wolverine behind him. With his claws out, about to jump on the chair, but he's also jumping away. There's a giant sentinel hand busting through the back wall.
0: Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. It's a really, really nice cover. All right, so basically in part four, remember last time that Einie had shown her true colors and attacked Cade Kilgore at the Hellfire Academy once he confessed to shooting brute. So now we see the other Hellfire Club members kind of standing over Kay Kilgore. You know, kind of like in Friday when Chris Tucker's like, you got knocked out out! <laughs> and and he has, as uh, Ice Cube wakes, I think it was Ice Cube in that scene, wakes up. And so you kind of have them all stand around, though, I think. I don't know if he's dead or not. I don't know what's wrong. But he gets up, and they kind of give him a hard time for getting his ass kicked by Idy. And then he looks out and says, no, it's too soon! As he sees Krakoa, and a giant ice Voltron and the Blackbird all approaching the island. I had the little silhouettes on the X-Men there. You, know, like a really, you can tell it's Wolverine. Then you have Rachel, um, I think Storm. Storm. And uh, he's this beast, I guess. No, it's too skinny to be a beast.
0: Where's Wolverine?
1: Uh, that's Kenny Pride. Wolverine is on the Krakoa shoulder. You okay. can see his little fins if you look real carefully.
0: Oh, well, then where's Beast? He's hiding behind the ice. His little feet get cold.
1: He's probably flying the Blackbird.
0: Oh.
1: I really like uh, Bradshaw's giant ice Voltron. I think it looks pretty sweet. And we kind of get some monster movie shenanigans as we see the volcanic Krakoas, the evil Krakoas, all step up out of the island, talk about how they eat cruise ships for breakfast.
0: Nom, 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 nom. Yeah.
1: Then we get a nice double-page sp- of Krakoa versus evil Krakoa and giant Ice Man fighting him and the X-Men and everybody just kind of going to town.
0: Oh, he ripped his jaw.
1: Yeah, yeah, good Krakoa. I like how he has a little uh, a mossy loincloth there.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> Covering up his giant island junk. Yeah, we see little Bamps and we see Wolverine like sticking his claws into the mouth of an evil Krakoa. But yeah, uh, big Krakoa tears off Volcano Krakoa's jaw with a giant punch. But This is a really, really good two-page spread. I like it a lot.
0: It is. There's a lot of movement, and you just, you constantly want to, like, look around and see if there's anything that you missed.
1: Right. And this is where Bradshaw's detail is a strength. You know, we kind of talked, uh, I guess, a couple issues ago about how the cover was a little too busy. And I feel like this is kind of the same amount of detail. It's just a little cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I like this this spread a lot. So basically, we see the Krakoa fight, and we see that uh, Iceman is is basically like controlling his uh, giant robot Voltron, like a real Voltron. Like he's inside in a little ice control panel. Well, and I love how uh,
0: what's her face says if if he if he'll kick these people's ass, (laughs) she'll let him go to second
1: base. Kenny Pride comes in. He says a funny line. He says, "Doesn't count if you're phased." And he goes all uh, Manga-style and goes, Glacier Fist! Oh! And he punches a Trakoa with his giant ro- uh, ice robot. So we see some more fighting, and then we see some dissension among the Hellfire Club, basically saying, uh, this isn't going to sell any Sentinels. We're getting away. We're, kind of, we're deviating from our evil plan. Well,
0: it seems so like uh, Kilgore had his own plan.
1: That's how, kind of how it seems, and these other guys aren't so uh, happy with that. Then we see Brew comes in and attacks Cage, tries to eat him.
0: Nom, nom, And he's
1: asking for help, and the uh, the other guy's just kind of (laughs) watching.
0: Yeah, they're debating.
1: Right, like, yeah, should we help him? Then we see Idy and uh, Quentin Quire fighting against uh, Lobster Boy and Snot and... Bug Girl? Yeah, we actually get a slight uh, character development, of infestation. She's acting all tough, and then on the inside, she's all feed the more they feed on you the less they eat of me
0: gross well
1: it's gross but I think it makes her a a lot more compelling in fact I would say of the evil hellions she probably has the most potential to be like a real villain
0: yeah what she says I used to be that girl that people talk to my name was my name
1: Swicka swim shady
0: (laughs) I'm just kind of wondering like was she the popular
1: girl I don't know and she made yeah she was probably pretty popular before bugs started crawling out of her orifices. Gross. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think I think she can be a really creepy villain that can have a really cool storyline. Whereas most of these other ones are just kind of they're too silly. Yeah. Like the the crawfish guy and Snail, like they're not. There's nothing serious about them.
0: No, th- those were characters that were made up on a drunken binge night. <laughs>
1: Uh, It's just Jason Aaron's sense of humor, which we'll talk more about later. Yeah, but then uh, Idy, somehow, um, I don't know how she's burning up on both sides. I don't really know what's going on there. But she is. And then we see Toad and Paige. And Toad is trying to, like, break through to Paige and remind her that she loves him. And um, he's crying while she's choking him.
0: (laughs) So... Yeah, that's a weird way to draw some tears.
1: Oh, yeah, slimy toad tears. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then Kitty makes a remark. just want to draw attention that there's something in the walls that makes her hurt when she's phasing. But she's going to do it anyway. She's trying to find the students. We see Iceman cleave uh, Evil Krakoa right in half. We get another full page spread, just a single page, as Wolverine jumps in with the X-Men. He says, X-Men kick their flaming asses! Which, I feel like we've had that line recently from Wolverine somewhere else. Do you remember where?
0: No, but it does sound familiar. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure somewhere in the last couple episodes we've talked about that. He takes a bunch of bullets uh, through the arms and chest. Ow. So apparently this is before he loses his healing factor.
0: Obviously. (laughs) Obviously.
1: As we see Mystique, I just want to notice that Sabretooth is gone.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: and they they actually draw, draw attention to that later. We have Sauron, Windigo, the guy with the demon uh, hand puppets, and Mystique.
0: The Muppeteer.
1: So Beast, of course, fights Windigo. Warbird fights Mystique. And she says something about how you were the w- person dumb enough to bring a gun to a sword fight.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And we see our winged creatures face off. We have Sauron versus Angel. And, of course, Sauron, who feeds on energy life forces, realizes that Angel has a lot to go around. And then why
0: does Angel say, I don't have much to spare? Because
1: he's been using his energy a lot lately to heal people. And something that's going on with this character, he has like this new power from when he was reborn, but it's limited. Oh, okay. So Then Wolverine faces off against the evil... Does it say his name up here? No, it doesn't. I guess the evil sock puppet, sock puppet dude. So anyway we see Lady Mojo Duke, and Dupe. And Dupe vomits up an old VHS tape.
0: Is he a turd?
1: No, he's just a slimy, weird creature that doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay. <laughs> so he's a turd
1: sure yeah he can be a turd so he has dupe home movies 1994 rated nc-17 and he pops it because lady mojo obviously has a vcr right i mean who doesn't these days
0: right yeah
1: but it's so horrible that it, it shocks her and him and he's the one that made the movies oh
0: that's yeah. bad
1: yeah kind of dumb um, so Kane Kilgore finally gets Brew off of him, or Brew actually just kind of runs away. And we're starting to see more dissension in the ranks, as the other guys want to abandon ship. And he's like, Cain Kilgore's being very stubborn. He feels like they can still win. We see Brew finds, a uh, what is it, Killer Death Star Lord, whatever that guy's name is and he the Tron
0: crossover monster The what the tron crossover yes yeah he's
1: monster. got a little tron in him he's gonna take brood to eat lots and lots of different species like an intergalactic buffet
0: yum is
1: what he promises so toad just starts ripping off layers of page then glob and Quentin choir fight and Quentin choir uh telepathically calls krakoa and krakoa eats glob herman
0: Ew! i wonder if he tastes like bubblegum
1: I don't know. And then K Kilgore calls for Dog and the Philistine to bring in the Siege Perilous. And he's like, finally, I've got to right where they want him. And this is where he says, Sabertooth thinks he abandoned us. The X-Men think they won. Quentin Quire thinks he's a hero, but don't you see? This is exactly what I wanted to happen. This is it. I did it. And he fist bumps in the air. I won. But we see, uh-oh, uh, two of the Hellfire guys have pulled guns on his back. Uh-
0: Oh. And that's to
1: be concluded. All right, you want to grade these one at a time or at the end?
0: We'll grade them one at a time.
1: All right, so when do you give Wolverine of the X-Men number 34, part four of five?
0: I absolutely love this comic. Yeah, but okay. But it hasn't really, it hasn't let me down. It, um, there's only one part in here that I thought was weird, and if I was the editor, I would have taken it out.
1: <laughs> what is that?
0: The flying turd.
1: Uh, and Jason, no, he, they can't do that. I don't like Dupe, but a lot of people do for some reason. And Jason Aaron seems to have a real soft spot for him. He's I think I think he's a dumb turn. character. I don't. but.
0: He's like Mr. Happy on South Park.
1: He's Slimer. You're thinking of? Uh,
0: no, the Mr. Happy, the poop. No,
1: it's it's um it's not happy. It's cr- no, not cranky. Um, it's
0: oh, the Christmas poo.
1: Yeah. It's
0: sign of the Christmas poo. I
1: don't remember his name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just yeah. thought that part was stupid, but everything else I kind of enjoyed. It was Hanky, right? Hanky
1: the yeah.
0: Christmas poo. It's Hanky the Christmas poo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know why I forgot that.
0: But, yeah, I I, I don't know. I loved it. I'm going to give it three claws. Okay. I think
1: the art's really good. Um. I'm going to give it a really strong two out of three clause. and i'll kind of save my general feelings for the end of the whole thing
0: oh one of those
1: yeah but no but i thought it was i thought it was a, it was a pretty really good book so i'm gonna yeah so denise gives wolverine and the x-men number 34 three out of three claws and i give it a very strong two out of three clause. all right so let's move on to issue 35 which is part five of five all the credits are the same except for we got some assistance on the coloring so in addition to Laura Martin, we also have Guru Effects, Thomas Mason, Matt Mia, and Soto Color. And then the cover is still by Nick Bradshaw, but this time it's colored by Matt Mia. And this cover I also like a lot. Um, basically, it has Quentin Quire kind of standing above a crater, and he's doing something. But he's got a telepathic bubble around his head. He's got the chains hanging off of his wrist. We have Idy behind him shooting fire and ice. Just a really dynamic cover. I like it a lot.
0: It is. It's very yin and yang.
1: Yes. And just the color work on it. There's a lot of different color yeah. contrast. It looks really cool. All right. So we're going to pick up right where we left off. And we open up with uh, the demon puppets falling on the ground. And Wolverine has just cut them off of the guy's hands. Ow. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty badass though and deserving of... The character.
0: I do like how uh, they're crawling around on their own hands. Yeah,
1: yeah, and one of them says, "Yeah, we don't need nobody to kill you. Come back here." And of course, Wolverine wants the X Men to find the kids. I like there's like a flaming residue on his claws. Yes, I thought that was really cool.
0: And for consistency, I do like how they have little bullet holes in Wolverine's uniform. uniform.
1: Yeah, he's healing up, but there's still holes in yeah. the costume. Yeah, I don't think I noticed that. Good, good, uh, good find there.
0: Well, you're welcome. <laughs>
1: All right, so Toad is continuing to rip off layers of Page.
0: Okay, I starting actually... Starting to look pretty gross. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like...
1: I don't really know what he's trying to do. Because what we're going to find out happening, there's no way he can know. So I, I feel like he's just being... He's just desperately desperately ripping off layers of her skin, trying to find something underneath that still likes him.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So the Hellfire kids aren't going to give up but Krakoa. Is punching through the building. We see uh, Star... Starblood. Yes, that's right. Did you see that or do you remember that?
0: I remembered it. Okay.
1: Yeah, Dr. Starblood flies off with Brew. And now we see the betrayal of the Hellfire Inner Circle.
0: Dun, dun, dun. They try to
1: shoot Cade, but they can't because Kilgore Arms made the guns. And he has a failsafe built in where they cannot shoot at him. And then eventually Toad rips Paige all the way down to regular skin. And, uh uh-oh, it was like a reset button. (gasps) I did not like this.
0: It confused me.
1: It doesn't make sense that losing her skin would affect her mind. I mean, I guess it kind of does because they've been playing with the whole thing. Like, her skin was inconsistent and her mind matched. It was also unstable. Right. So, I guess now that she is all one skin, she would be stable, but I don't really know why she loses her memory. Well, and Cause it goes back to when she first started losing control. So, she remembers being at the school, but barely.
0: Right. She, well, and she says at some point she remembers being a librarian. I don't think we're there yet.
1: Right. But she, uh, Toad gives her a hug, and she's like, um, Why are you hugging me?
0: Because we were like dating. Right. We like and did she's it. She's gonna be like, "Ew, no It's that morning after when you wake up with some strange right. person in your bed and you're like Oh
1: now crap. I, I'm not I'm not a freaky, flaky girl anymore where my skin does different things. I'm just a regular hot girl. I can't date tone anymore. I see drama in the future for that.
0: A lot. Yeah. With whipped cream on top. Right.
1: But but speaking of dating, now, uh, Ianie is professing her love for Quentin Quire. And and, her uh, hot little black
0: queen. You know, but
1: it's toned down, though.
0: How is it toned down?
1: Her boobs aren't as big, and there's not any butt cleavage. So it's still, like, a little bit maybe too sexy for a 14-year-old, but it's not, I don't know, I thought it was a little more in control.
0: okay. They just don't look like they're 14.
1: No, they don't, but they never do. So, uh, the X-Men are actually winning, Uh, and the the battle's pretty much over until the Philistine puts up a big force field and says no one can leave. And Kenny can't even phase through it, and Rachel can't uh, read their minds inside, and the X-Men students cannot get out. Wolverine tries cutting at it, Uh, so does Warbird with her sword, and then some giant robot arms reach up and grab the students and the X-Men that are inside. Then we see Dog telling Paige to be quiet.
0: Oh, is that who that is?
1: Yeah. And so Cain wants the Philistine to throw everybody into the Siege Perilous. Then we see the Hellions actually um, <laughs> so then going back to an old joke that me and Cameron made. If you want to listen to episode uh, I don't know, 15-ish we do Giant Size X, X-Men number one, we make a joke about Krakoa pooping. <laughs> well, here, um, Jason Aaron continues on our joke. And I said, so I guess after the Krakoa ate all the Hellions, he pooped them out into the ocean.
0: Oh, did it give him diarrhea?
1: I don't know. Glob Herman probably did.
0: <laughs> he was chewy.
1: Right. So then Sabretooth the Mystique show up on a boat and tell the Hellions to get on it's time for their real schooling to begin. Oh. They're going to do this school for evil students the right way. And then uh, we see Brew on um the ship with uh, star blood, And he's sniffing him. He sniff... No, he's, he smells something. He doesn't know what it is. Oh, f- I
0: thought he was sniffing star blood. Like, I did mm, at first. But I think he's tasty. just like,
1: something's in here. And we find out that something is a vamp. And he eats the vamp.
0: Oh, he does?
1: Yeah. Off panel. That's what we don't see. That's what the chalk. Yeah, he eats the bamf. And then when he sees a figure in a white robe with a bamf on his shoulder, says it's time to come back now. And then Starblood looks around, and he wonders what's going on with Brew. But before we can figure that out, we see Cade with uh, the ex-students, and he's going to throw them all in the Siege Perilous. But, uh uh-oh, Vilhelmina Cuts him in the back, and she's jealous because he had picked another queen. And she uh, takes Philistine and Cain into the siege perilous. Or no, I'm sorry. She goes with the Philistine into the siege perilous. And Cain Kilgore doesn't know what's going on. And he says, my father never hugged me, never once. I I think I'd like a hug before I die. And Quentin Quire says, fat chance, and punches him.
0: That was such an awkward line. Yeah. I need a hug.
1: Right. It kind of came out of nowhere, I thought. but then Wolverine says, everybody grab a vamp. And they do. And he sees his brother. And he says, dog, come on. And dog kind of looks like he might be about to. but then he changes his mind. He says, no, never. And he grabs Cade. And Wolverine's like, wait, dog. like he wants to help his brother. Even though they kind of have some bad blood. But he's still kind of he's he's willing to forgive you know right the dog takes Cade and dives into the siege perilous and everybody bamps away as the island blows up we see the I like the little uh, explosion kind of breaking the backs of the evil Krokoas. and we see our good Krokoa standing in the ocean and the blackbird flies over and we see everybody bamf in Kate <laughs> Kilgore gives some rocking devil horns in the Ooh. air double double horns we're alive! And Wolverine says, good, now I can kill you myself. <laughs> and uh, so I guess some of the villains came back, too. We have Sauron and Wendigo.
0: Toad's in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, but Toad's still a good guy at this yeah. point. And then we see, uh, Idy's gonna ask where Brew is, but then the ship crashes. And it opens and we see Brew's silhouette and he's growling. <coughs> Excuse me. Would want like a ride back to Westchester? And so we have old Brew back. So
0: did he eat Starblood? I don't know.
1: I think he just knocked him out. Okay. Which seems like he'd be as tough as he's been in the past. That I'm not sure Brew could do that by himself, but whatever. But yeah. Ida gives a hug a Brew and Quentin Quires patting himself on the back. says, no, I actually kind of like this because he's been kind of a punk yeah. for a long time. He's like, oh, it actually feels okay to be a good guy. Yeah, so I can get used to this. Then we see the Siege Perilous sinking to the bottom of the ocean and it's cracked. I don't know what that really means. We see Cade stuck inside trying to beat his way out. Then the next morning we have the staff of the school are going to try to talk Wolverine out of closing the school now, which he had said he was going to do after they got everybody back. Right. So they're all working up their A game trying to figure out the best sales pitch. And they're surprised because he's actually early to the meeting. And he's reading. And he's reading a haiku book. Yeah, it says, "About time you all got here. What's the matter? You people forget we got a school to run." And we get a very nice like end of a sitcom moment. Like, oh, (laughs) yeah. It should have just froze frame there and ended the. Ended. Yeah. Yeah. On the punchline. It would have been a nice episode of Silver Spoons. Um, oh my goodness. Iceman just says, he's a scroll. I'm not complaining, mind you, but he's definitely a scroll. And Kitty says, no, he's Professor Wolverine. And cheesy 80s sitcom oh, music right there. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. You've, had, you've thought way too much about this.
1: <laughs> and so we see the students. We see uh, Toad uh, is visiting uh, Paige or Husk. In the, um, in I guess, in the room? hospital room, yeah. Quentin Choir and Idy are walking around. She's all hugging on him. And so they brought two of the Hellfire students back to be students at the school. Like, instead of sending them to jail.
0: Yeah.
1: But I don't know. I guess Maybe they can
0: be rehabilitated.
1: Uh, they're, they're putting a lot on that proposition. Then we see Beast talking to Brew. And Bruce says he remembers fighting for a very long time to be himself again, but never making ground. And suddenly, someone else was there giving me the push I needed, telling me it was time to make up. And wake up, sorry.
0: Make up. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, you need some up. Mary Kay really bad. Right. <laughs> Your skin,
1: man. Uh, and Beast says, well, did this does this vision come at a certain time with any certain event? And Bruce, uh, Bruce's like, yeah, it did. It happened when I bit a BAMP. And we see a bam, and then we switch to the last page elsewhere, somewhere far beyond the realm of the flesh. We have some bamps. and we have a guy, the guy in the white cloak, and he's waiting, and he says, "Still no sign, and no word from your brothers. It's been so long. Perhaps they've all forgotten me." We get a bam, 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 <laughs> and I'm assuming that's how they talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, like bam, bam.
1: Right. Like a cross between Bam Bam and the seagulls from Finding Nemo.
0: Nice. (laughs) I like.
1: Yeah. But apparently he can understand them, so he says, let's hope you're right. Let's hope the X-Men still remember their old friends and that they're not afraid to risk their lives one more time to save a dead man. And the guy turns around and walks off, and we see Nightcrawler's tail come out from under the cloak, and we see Nightcrawler's three-toe footprints in the snow. When I saw this page, even though I kind of knew this was... Kinda of coming down the pipeline. I didn't know it'd be right here. And I was it really caught me off guard. I think I even uh, went out and oh shit.
0: You did. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so that part was really awesome. So what do you give this book? And then the art was really good again. It Story was really was good, good, good again,
0: but I, I got so confused on certain parts. And I thought maybe it was just because um I just got confused because it's like, why is Toad ripping Page's skin off. Why does she reach a certain point and she can't remember anything? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know
1: about that either.
0: And so it just, they were little things like that, that just, it was a little like siege perilous. What exactly does that thing do? Again? I don't
1: remember. It, it, it takes someone and then spits them out as a different version of themselves.
0: Okay. So now we have Philistine in there.
1: Yeah. But Philistine's like, because remember he went and came out as the Philistine already. And it kind okay. of became the keeper of the siege.
0: Okay, so Wilhelmina went in there. Yeah, I don't know what she'll do. And baddies all get out. I
1: don't know what Kate will do either.
0: Well, and dogs in there.
1: Yes. So... I don't dog would come out like mutated. Like be more of a mutant, like his brother. Because he was just a normal dude.
0: A really big. Yeah. But, yeah. So I guess that's... And the fact that it's cracked. And it's right. now underwater. Yeah, who knows. So it was a little confusing. So... I don't know. I'm only gonna give this one two claws.
1: Okay. I'm also gonna give uh, Wolverine the X-Men number thirty-five two out of three claws. The last page has me super excited. Of course, a little e- all our podcasts contain spoilers, but a little extra spoiler if you don't want to know. Um,
0: if you don't want to know, then fast forward. Yeah.
1: So there's a new series. Of course, um, Astonishing X-Men is being canceled, but it's funny because I think it is currently with you know everything a lot of stuff starting over at Marvel now. It's currently the highest-numbered uh, Marvel book, but it's going to stop, I think, at number 68 or 69, and it it's done. But, you know, we're not going not to leave a whole you know, nature of horrors a vacuum, especially in comic book world, and especially in the X-Men line. So that hole is not going to stay there very long. We have a new series called The Amazing X-Men, which will be written by Jason Aaron and start off art by Edmund Guinness. And the first story is a return to Nightcrawler. So this nice. kind of sets that up. And I got to say, I'm pretty stoked about that. Nightcrawler is my second favorite X-Men, and he's been gone for a while. And, you know, we had the age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler, but he's just not as cool of a character. I was kind of glad to see him go.
0: Well, you talked a lot about how much you love Nightcrawler. Yeah,
1: I do. Yeah, he's, he's my second favorite X-Men and probably, probably top five comic book characters in general. Probably, probably four, four, five, six, somewhere in there. So I like him a lot. So I'm definitely excited about that part. Um, I thought the story was good. Uh, let's talk about overall impression as far as how the story ended. Do you think, was this a good five-parter for you overall?
0: Yeah, I liked how it, I, I think it had good flow.
1: Yeah, I do too, for the most part. Um, The only thing I'll kind of say, my only kind of drawbacks is, you know, we had talked a few issues ago about, kind of the scenes being split up and how it made for a really fast pace and good right. pacing. I felt like in these last two issues that got overused a little bit.
0: Yeah, I can and see it, that. And it
1: started to feel really ADD. Like, like we couldn't even stay in any scene long enough to really get anything.
0: Yeah, but I think they were also trying to make a point that it was so chaotic and so... Yeah, no,
1: and I agree. And I think it, it worked better a few issues ago than it did in these two. It, just, it was a little, yeah. little too... I don't know, just... It was too, too family jumpy. guy for me. <laughs> but um, that and my only other kind of thing is, is I really enjoy Jason Aaron's sense of humor. Is he the one like,
0: that came up with the poop?
1: No, he didn't. Okay. No, he just he likes the character, but he did not. Oh, okay. uh, Mike Allred invented that. The poop. Yeah, dupe. Dupe the poop. Um, but I felt I don't know. I feel like this book is in danger of getting a little bit too jokey. Like, I like the humor, but like for the first 30 issues of this book, like it was a really serious book with moments of really good humor in it. I feel like now it's getting, I don't know, I just feel like maybe he's trying a little too hard. Or... No,
0: I think, now granted, I picked up when the kids.
1: Yeah, you've only been reading five over, or six yeah. issues. Yeah.
0: So I think it, it was written more towards the, especially since the kids are like mid-teens, right. mid teens, or, or early to mid teens. It's written with very, like, smart-assery type right, kid humor. Right, I understand humor. that, yeah. And so I'm curious if it's going to get back to the way that you've enjoyed it when it starts focusing more on the teachers and not the kids.
1: Well, no, it's not even necessarily a focus on the kids. It's just, I don't know, all the one-liners. Some of them hit, but not all of them do. Some of them kind of miss. I don't know. I just I just don't want this to be like a comedy book. Right. <laughs> like. Like if I want that I'll read Deadpool. <laughs> you know? But I'm bumped. Right. Yeah, anyway. But I'm, no, but I mean, overall I enjoyed it. I guess I'm just I'm hoping maybe since the crossover's over or not it wasn't really a crossover, it was all in the book. Since the uh Hellfire saga is over, I'm hoping kind of the pace will, will slow down a little bit and the humor will just dial back just to here. Not even that much. Just, just to here. You know, if it's at eight or nine right now, maybe put it at like a seven. And I don't know, be a little bit more serious. But you know, overall, I enjoyed, enjoyed them quite a bit. I thought it was a pretty good way to wrap up the storyline, you know, with these arrogant kids couldn't really hold their own and get the X-Men in the end. Right. But Mystique and uh, Sabretooth run off with their evil students and the promise of, of more uh, conflict to come. Right. So well, apparently Mystique is everywhere right now. She's she's yeah. the, one of the main villains in this book. Uh, on the last page of the last issue of Wolverine, she's the major villain in all new X Men, and right? she is all over the place. Well, right. But you know, whatever that is, comics for you. So all right. So yeah, I guess overall we're gonna. Um, yeah, that's that's our grades for these two books. Um, just to summarize, we both. I, well, I won't talk for you, but we both really enjoyed this, this story arc overall. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Two thumbs up. As far as the actual grades on number 34, Denise gave it three claws and I gave it a really strong two claws. And then number 35, we both gave two out of three claws. All right, well, let's move on. Okay, so now we're going to make a, a quick infinity update with the uh, New Avengers number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. This is written by Jonathan Hickman. With art by Mike Deodato, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Joe Caramagno, and the cover is by Mike Deodato and Laura Martin. The cover's pretty sweet. We have the uh, Infinity banner across the top, the New Avengers logo in black, kind of outlined in electric blue. And then we have Thanos and his black guard, all like in blue and black with lots of shadow. It's a really, really, really striking cover. A really badass cover. It looks really sweet. All right. So in the uh, Infinity, of course, Thanos is going to take the Earth. The Avengers are all off in space fighting the army of builders that's heading towards Earth. And Thanos is taking advantage of the Avengers' absence. And he's going to take Earth for himself, finally. So we see him meeting with his uh, Black Order uh, in a giant ship above Titan. It says then, so sometime in the past. And we see they got the Outrider's head from Infinity Number One hooked up to a machine, and they're seeing the thoughts that he read from Black Bolt. And we see the Illuminati, uh, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Neymar, and Beast holding the Infinity Gems, and then all their heads turn to skulls as the Infinity Gems disintegrate. But Thanos points out, no, no, they didn't all disintegrate. One of them, the one being held by Mr. Fantastic, merely disappeared. It hides from me, he says, but I know where to start. So one of his uh, his Black Order, I think it's Supergiant, points out that if there's only one gem left, you cannot reassemble the Infinity Gauntlet. So let's not worry about the gem, let's just destroy Earth, because, you know... It's only one. <laughs> Thato says, Only one, supergiant. With only one you become a god. Do you know what it is like to be a god? She says, Not yet. Well, she writes a talk like that. Her her speech is in black with white white letters, so it's probably like Not yet. And says, But I know now and it is worth more than many, many worlds. And Ebony Ma, I think, is the skinny guy says, What about some tribute? And he says, Thanos says, you and the other Coal Obsidian will find the gem for me, Ebony Maw. Find it and lay it before my feet. The tribute is mine. Can we go the next chapter is a Coal Obsidian? New York City, now, is being invaded. I can't tell if they're in Stark Tower or, uh, the... The Baxter building. I don't know what either of them look like at this moment in time. But Tony Stark and Reed Richards are there. They get some super cannon to shoot up and start destroying the ships, but they say, but now we have their undivided attention. So they're trying to get all the invasion to attack them so that everybody else can have more of a chance. I was gonna point out here now uh Diodato's art in this book is fantastic. It's really, really good. Alright, so we're gonna kinda see where The Black Order have gone to different places, uh, basically where the holders of the gems are, or were. So we start off in Wakanda, and we see the Black Panther and his cousin Shuri. Are they cousins or sisters? I don't remember. But they're fighting off the invading forces and doing pretty well. Of course, they talk about how they had really bulked up their defenses um, for a possible war with Atlantis. You know, because Neymar destroyed a big chunk of Wakanda when he was part of the Phoenix Five. But uh, yeah, uh, the Wakandans are doing really, really good, uh, turning the army's back. But then they see Black Dwarf, and he says he's looking for the gem or the man who holds it. And he goes, is there a great warrior here who would face me? Or do I have to hunt you down? And then Diodato's Black Panther just looks awesome. I like seeing his Black Panther a lot. It's really, really cool. Wanted to see some more of it so um basically he says i am who you were looking for i am the black panther king of the dead and soon to be your new lord he jumps at black dwarf as black dwarf punches at him and misses hits the ground and we get like a mini earthquake as black panther attacks him then we switch to atlantis and uh what's this one's this one called proxima midnight Yes, Proxima Midnight. And her invasion force comes to Atlantis. And she was looking for a man of consequence, capable of wielding an Infinity Gem. But instead finds a broken prince, ruler of a broken city. There's no gem. If there was a gem, he wouldn't have let this happen. And Neymar uh, gets angry. And Proxima Midnight says she's of the Black Order. She's here to kill him. But she sees he's really already dead. His reputation was overstated. But you might have some value. Neymar tells her to leave. He says, leave now. I will not ask again. But she says, I cannot do that. Thanos has demanded certain things come to pass. And I owe my tithe, Prince. But she basically says she will spare Atlantis if Neymar will tell her where to find the last remaining Infinity Gem. So then we go to the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York. Dr. Strange is being attacked by Ebony Maw. I don't really like Dr. Strange, but the visuals here by Diodata look really cool. Um, Dr. Strange is doing his little magic stuff and there's all kinds of like flame demons flying around him and they look really really sweet and the coloring on that looks really good and, and the way the art looks a little bit different to so just checking that out it looks really really nice and dr strange says he doesn't know where the gym is but Ebony maw says curse the gym doctor a fool's quest if there ever was one i want what thanos wants and then we leave that scene and we're kind of left to wonder well what i mean thanos has already said he wants the tribute so what is this tribute he's coming after we don't really know yet. At least I don't. Maybe if you've been reading everything Hickman's done to this point, you do know. And you can feel free to tell me. If you don't know, uh, feel free to send in your theories. um, By the usual communique. I would love to hear what everybody else thinks about what's going on with that. Because I'm pretty intrigued. So then we switch to the Jean Grey School. And we see Beast, Armor, and Wolverine. And art just continues to be amazing as they're fighting here. And here we have... Corvus Glaive, is that his name? Yeah, Corvus Glaive and Supergiant. And they're attacking the Jean Grey school. And um, they're looking for the gem, of course. And Supergiant has uh, mental powers. And she says, Fodder, an internal man, which I guess you're referring to Wolverine, an elemental and some minor members of mental acuity. No, the only real danger is the Omega level mutates. I will make the mind of the Megamorph now and make it my own. I will use this... Iceman and she basically takes over Iceman and he freezes everybody and this art also looks really really good man. just really really great 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 art and then but I do want to say I, I kind of called this um Wolverine says Bobby's lost his damn mind and Beast is like oh it looks like he's been taken over it has to be one of the invaders and no mention of any like oh maybe he's turning evil again like that apocalypse story because like, I kind of suspected I think that story is going to be mostly ignored at least for now. That's the way it certainly appears. Uh, we get some really cool Wolverine art as he goes to attack Corvius Glaive. But, uh, he charges in like he usually does, a little bit, you know, pretty impetuous, I guess, to a degree. But Corvus Glaive stabs him with his giant blade right in the abdomen. Wolverine's like, and then he picks him up. So he's got Wolverine in the air on the spear. This panel, where it's in silhouette, looks really, really cool. And uh, Corvus Glaive says, Bravado is good. All great warriors are marked by it. And then one day, it puts them into their grave. This is that day, mutant, as he slams Wolverine into the ground. And Beast is like, No! And Storm electrocutes Iceman. And Rachel Grey... She tries to attack Giant, and she, uh, so Iceman is now free of her control, and Corvus Glaze says it doesn't matter. We're going to show them that Thanos cannot be denied. And then we can go to Wakanda, and Black Dwarf and his army are retreating, and Black Panther thinks they're going to come back, but sure, he doesn't think they will. They've learned their lesson. They're well-educated. And then we go to Atlantis, and Neymar is going to give Proxima Midnight what she wants, um, he's bowing before her with Andromeda is that his queen I don't know who that is um and she says okay well where's the gem and I don't know if it's really in there but he Neymar continues to kind of have his own agenda and he tells her it's in Wakanda which of course he's at war with Wakanda in theory so maybe Black Panther really has the gem probably not I think he's just trying to get Proxima Midnight to go there because she says where do i send all of the armies of thanos and he's like wakanda so he's basically uh trying to give wakanda a death sentence and make himself victorious of course keep in mind they just destroyed part of atlantis they took a pretty heavy death toll and so Neymar's going to be even more pissed than he was with the recent losses so he sends he sends thanos his armies there for their search then we go to a and uh Maximus is talking to Black Bolt and says it's time and he clicks his palm and a little like buzzer goes off. And then we see Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man, their palm buzzers go off, Black Panther Beast, Neymar, Doctor Strange, all the uh all the Illuminati get a little easy button on their palm in their hand that glows, and it's time to use the machine. Maximus says. Time for plans within greater plans to be set in motion. He says, this is going to be so much fun. And we see the ship that Thanos was on coming towards Attilan or Atalan. I don't know how you're supposed to say that. I like Attilan because I think Atalan sounds weird. But anyway. And that's where this story concludes. Then we get a little dossier of the Black Order or aka the Coal Obsidian. And the art on this is really cool. It's like all blue shadow with faint line art. Uh you can probably look this up if you want. that's where we end up. And I thought that was a great chapter. I did not mean to talk that long about it, but it was really, really good. Writing was fantastic. This story is really going places. And art was just great. Oh my goodness, art was so good by Mike Diodato. I loved it. Um, well, I'm really anxious for the next chapter, I think. Infinity number two comes next. And then we'll go back into our Avengers books. Wow. Really, really great event so far. I'm, I'm loving it. Kind of wishing I'd been reading New Avengers all along. Maybe I'll go back and catch up. But I don't feel like I really had to. Like, I feel pretty good with the knowledge I have of where the story is so far. And I'm really digging it. So yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. A great chapter of the Infinity Saga. Just really, really good. Really intriguing. Lots of kind of, I think a good amount of mystery, at least to me. So I'd love to hear Theories of what what the Illuminati are doing, what Thanos is after besides the gem and the Earth, if those two weren't enough, what this so-called tribute is is from other planets has been like something from that planet, like the planet we saw in Infinity Number One, the not Saturn, I don't remember what it was called, I it was like a bunch of heads of babies of the of the indigenous people. That was a tribute for them. So I don't know what the tribute for Earth would be, whether it be like a slain superhero, maybe he wants thor i don't know of course the avengers are all in space and he's attacking the earth intentionally knowing they're gone so i don't know i definitely am curious and i I definitely want to know but yeah let's let's wrap it up i'm gonna give new avengers number nine a very strong three out of three clause this this is great so you should definitely be checking it out even though wolverine got uh kind of beat down that's okay he'll come back (laughs) so all right cool let's keep going Okay, so next up we have Uncanny Avengers number 11. This is written by Rick Remender. Art by Daniel Acuna. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Letter, I'm sorry, cover by John Cassidy and Laura Martin. This cover's pretty sweet. It has Wolverine kind of staked into the wall, blood dripping down the wall. It's kind of a blue tone and the big Uncanny Avengers banner beneath them. Some pretty sweet covers. Slightly reminiscent of uh, the cover to Uncanny X-Men 251 by Mark Silvestri. It was definitely kind of a different different take on it. Um, I like this cover quite a bit. All right, so we're kind of in the middle of this apocalypse twin story. Uh, basically, they are kind of handing it to the X-Men. They have released their four new horsemen of death. And they're now confronting the Scarlet Witch. And they take her to the place, um, to Tucker Creek, Montana, which is where Archangel had released, I guess the, Apoc- how do you do it? One of the sons of Apocalypse kind of went nuclear on the town. A moment, it says 5,301 people, and then kind of evolution restarted and we got Tabula Rusa, I'm sorry, Tabula Rasa, which we've had some stories down there before. It's kind of this weird kind of, I don't know. New Earth, but in this little bubble in Montana, that is being kept a secret. And of course, Wanda didn't know about it, but the Apocalypse twins say that Red Skull finds out about it, and he'll leak the secret, and everyone will get pissed at mutants, and persecute them, there'll be concentration camps, and they talk about how Red Skull is wrong, but Apocalypse was wrong too, actually, I think they refer to their father as Cain. Because he kind of raised them So his, his uh, ideology is wrong, too. They say, and your father's, referring to Magneto, Professor X. Like, there's all these different ideas, all these different plans. Xavier with a dream of cohabitation. Magneto, who would kill all humans to make way for mutants. Havoc imagines man and mutant united as one indivisible species. Cyclops who would protect the mutants by any means necessary. Archangel cared simply for evolution. Apocalypse deemed survival a reward only earned by the very fittest. But in the end, it wasn't in any of their ideologies that we saw the answer to the delivery you face. It wasn't until we studied another pair of twins that we discovered a proper solution. Makes me talk about how Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were manipulated by their parents, separated from their mothers, where they broke away and chose their own path. And that's what the Apocalypse Twins are trying to do. They basically talk about that in the future, the mutant, the mutants stand in King's way. And he planned to use the Apocalypse Twins to get rid of the mutants <laughs> and to instigate a mutant rapture before the Red Onslaught came. So King wants to fight the Red Onslaught, which is a Red Skull combined with Onslaught. But the Apocalypse Twins basically want to make like a mutant paradise and take all the mutants out of humanity and they call it planet x where mutants are free to exercise their powers and will live as gods and acunia's kind of layout of this planet x looks very like futuristic sci-fi but it looks pretty cool the color work there is really good too i think he does his own colors but it looks really cool they basically tell wanda you're no weapon to us you're an angel of salvation with the power to shepherd our people to safety so I'm kind of playing on the fact that everyone's been treating her like a, a weapon. Uh, she disassembled the Avengers. She destroyed M- mutant kind. You know, she's kind of getting it from every side. And they say that uh, the Red Onslaught is coming and he's unstoppable. And Wanda objects that she th- she thinks it's playing God to give up on cohabitation and tearing people away from their loved ones. I'll have nothing to do with it! She screams, and the Apocalypse wins. So. And the Apocalypse Twins' answer was well, it better just to let him die? And Wanda gets defiant, but they kind of surprise her and say, well, we're not going to make you do this. We're just presenting you with the opportunity. You have to choose it. And Wanda pro- protests that she's not powerful enough, but they say they have a power source great enough to fuel it. And we go down, we see Reaper as a Horseman of Death, and Wonder- he's captured Wonder Man. And they kind of talk smack to each other. Then we see Rogue and Sunfire. Kind of get some insight into their characters. It's pretty good. Pretty good conversation here. And Rogue takes some of his power. So they can both survive um, what's coming. And then we get to a really awesome couple of pages here. Between Wolverine and Dawkins. And it starts off. I'm just going to read some of this. It starts off when Wolverine says. Ignore the urge to hold my boy and beg his forgiveness. And Dawkins, of course as a horse of death. Who looks really awesome by the way. The kind of Tron thing. And Cunha's doing with the Horseman of Death looks pretty sweet. Um and Dawkins says, Shock and heartbreak, Dad, it's all over your face. You thought you were done with me. A twisted little secret you buried with the worms. But I'm back, king of the worms. Of course Wolverine's trying to talk himself into into saying this isn't really a son. It's just a manipulated corpse. But Dawkins keeps kind of pushing buttons. He says, Drowned to death by your father. It's a bad way out, you know? It's funny, the whole time I kept thinking you were going to let me up. He's going to stop now, I thought. I kept thinking it over and over. Dad's going to realize he can't undo this. He's not going to give up on me. He'll show mercy, take me to a school, teach me, teach me to become a good man like him. I like kind of the Kirby Crackle around Dawkins' claws. It looks really cool. And then Dawkins continues and says, Because I just knew somewhere deep down my dad loves me. Dad believes in me, believes I can be a good man. And Wolverine says, ignore the corpse. Ignore its terrible words. Put it back where it belongs. And they both square off against each other. And then Dawkins says something that's very interesting. He says, but at the end, it finally sunk in. You don't love anything. And he stabs his dad through the chest. And that's an interesting thought. And you can maybe argue that, that at the base of who Wolverine is, does he really love? I mean, I think he does. I think he really loved Gene and even, uh, Mariko and Silver Fox. I think he... Does his best to love. I think he maybe has a hard time communicating that love, or even understanding in himself what it means to love. But I think he has it. But it's still a, a good, a good volley by Dawkins and it's definitely something that would make Wolverine stop to think. And Wolverine crumples, and his skin goes all like pink and veiny. And he looks like he's just, I don't know, like he's being eaten from the inside out. And then Dawkins stabs him through the back of the head. So I'm guessing with these super, like, magical kind of energy claws, he can go through the adamantium. Because he he goes right through the back of Wolverine's skull and out his eye sockets. So we go, um, Conria. The Acuba Nebula. And uh, Sentry had taken Thor to this planet with uh, gamma lava. Green gamma lava. He was supposed to kill him, but he decided he would need Thor's help later. So he just wanted to keep him alive. Thor doesn't take too kind with to it. We get an awesome uh, fight scene between them. It looks just great. Uh, Sentry says he's now rid of the void, so Thor has nothing to worry about. Just wait here. But Thor hears none of it. He finally throws his hammer, but Sentry stops it cold and just drops it. Then he rips open the skin on his face, and we see just a muscly skull with red eyes, and he shoots horrible lasers out of his mouth and eyeballs, and uh, leaves Thor there and flies off. Then we can go back to New York. Uh, Captain America, Wasp, and Havoc have decided to try to attack the Apocalypse by boat, because they think they'll be expected by air. But before they can get there, the Apocalypse twins... Cast giant holograms of themselves above the city skyline and pronounce who they are. I am Iman, the Eternal Sweep. I am Uriel, Light of the Cosmos. We come to you with hope and salvation. Basically, talk about their plan that um, humans and mutants have not been able to get along, and it would be mutually beneficial for the mutants to all just leave. Which all this sounds a little bit like utopia, doesn't it? But it'd be a whole different planet. And we see uh different people hearing this speech and kind of. Their reaction to it. We see the Avengers, the Uncanny X-Men, uh, the all-new X-Men, and the Jim Grey School, and even Uncanny X-Force. And they announce the mutant rapture to ascend to a new homeworld, one we will build together. Your futures hold only peace and prosperity. No more war. No more strife. No more squabbling with primates. And then we kind of get a, a closing scenes of where everybody is. We see... Cap, Havoc, and Wasp just looking up in astonishment. Cap frowning, Havoc grimacing, Wasp just in shock. We see Thor rising and causing a storm on the planet he was left on. We see Wolverine nailed to the wall, almost crucified, with the Kirby crackle coming out of his eyeballs. And the Apocalypse Twins keep saying, you don't have to assimilate. They don't want us. We don't need to be here. Let's just go somewhere else. Man, And, you know, you'll be free from your oppressors and your tormentors and mankind will also be free of homo superior as they have always wanted and we see a rogue and sunfire walking off we see reaper with wonder man and then we see the apocalypse twins actually talking it's time and they ask wanda if she's ready to fulfill her destiny and she just kind of stares for a second and then she answers i am to be continued that was awesome <laughs> Really, really enjoyed that issue. I thought it was pretty fantastic. Um, moving this Ragnarok now story right along and yeah, I don't think everyone's going to agree. I think people are gonna fight it, but and I don't know if they have like other things that are hiding. But the whole Planet X thing doesn't doesn't sound like the best thing to do or the best way to handle it, but it doesn't make the apocalypse twins just sound absolutely evil. I think that unless they have something else up their sleeve, they at least sound somewhat sincere in what they're trying to do. Man, yeah, I just the dialogue was great, the action was great. The to say it again, I've said it pretty much every issue since we started this little run. But Acuna's artwork works really well for this kind of story. It just it, it really fits. Yeah, the fights were good. The dialogue was good. Good character development. Yeah. Uh, great issue. So I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number 11 three out of three claws. Can't wait to see what happens next. But I guess I'll have to. So, all right, let's move on. Okay, so next up we have Astonishing X-Men number 66. This is by Reiner Marjorie Liu. Artist Almer Carpina? I think, maybe how do you say that? Chris Peter is the colorist. V.C.'s Joe Caramagna is the letterer. Phil Noto uh, did the cover. And the cover's pretty cool by Noto. It's kind of like a punk rock poster with uh, Cecilia Reyes, Karma, Warbird, and Jubilee. It's kind of black and white, and the paper's kind of faded and worn-looking, and then certain things are outlined in hot pink, like Karma's power, Warbird's sword, Cecilia Reyes' lipstick, and a little X-pen, and Jubilee's eyes and sunglasses are all kind of hot pink. It's got kind of the, like, when the letters are, like, I don't know, what's that style called? It kind of looks like when I was a kid, there was these things you could write your name on this little piece of black tape. And you cut it and stick it on things. Uh, it kind of looks like that. You see that a lot, kind of rock posters. That kind of style of, like, little tags stuck on top of the picture. And the X, and the X-Men's uh, crossbones. Pretty, uh, pretty cool cover. All right, So basically, we're going to deal with a fallout of uh, Apocalypse Iceman. And we kind of see New York as the snow is starting to thaw and there's been catastrophic damages and the ice is melting. So the subways are flooded and we see this neon green like octopus alien type creature and uh taking care of the rats <laughs> floating through the subway which is flooded. These first couple of pages, the art is really interesting and pretty cool and pretty good. Uh, then we go to Chinatown and some of the X-Men catch up with Cecilia Reyes. She's trying to help patients be a doctor, which is, you know, what she is. And The X-Men surprise her happily. Then we see Northstar and Kyle fly back to New York. Their apartment is destroyed. In a new conversation, we find out that they had gone back up to Canada to help up there. And the greet Warbird, and she's trying to help salvage their stuff. Northstar's like, I thought you hated us. And she basically says that she's not sure how she feels anymore. That she thought their marriage as homosexuals was against the will of the gods, but now she doesn't know. So she may or may not be coming around to be tolerant and respectful of people's choices. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. Then we see the uh, Green Tentacles grab a dog, and uh, the dog turns evil it starts to growl, but then it licks its owner, and the owner goes all, like, green and zombie-looking. So we get the idea that this thing is spreading itself, like, from contact to contact to contact. He's kind of multiplying its influence. Then we see the X-Men are going to have a down night. Some kind of a typical X-Men between-mission where they're just hanging out, having fun. But instead of playing baseball or whatever, they're going to sing karaoke. And we see all the kind of different personalities as they get up to the microphone. Wolverine doesn't sing, he just drinks a beer. And then Warbird gets up and starts singing in her native language and turns out it's really, really beautiful. You know, for the, the other characters in the comic, they let us know. And that kind of goes in what Marjorie Liu's been doing kind to develop this character that Warbird is a warrior who should have been an artist. And so the fact that she can sing, not only is it kind of note that, okay, well maybe the she singing in general sounds really good, but also the the Warbird has an artist's soul. So that kind of continues along that development. And we see a guy bust in and says, y'all are superheroes, right? But all these zombified people take them. Wolverine's like, ah, oh, it's supposed to be a down night, And we see all these zombies... <laughs> Jubilee says something funny. She goes, "Yo, does anyone else feel dirty right now? Because I think I got the herpes just listening to that." Because the zombie's are like, "Who let me hold you? I'm so alone. You're soft and pretty. Will you be my friend?" Cecilia Reyes gives a big splat with one of her force fields, and Karma tries to reach into their minds, but it's an alien consciousness. And then suddenly, basically, the alien takes over Cecilia Reyes by contacting. Direct contact with the force field. The X Men start to fight the guys, but they don't really want to hurt them because they know they're possessed by something. And for some reason, Karma says, um, maybe electricity can break the spell. So Storm electrocutes everybody, and it turns out it works. But Karma and Cecilia Reyes have just enough left inside to find the alien is hiding under a car. They kind of coax it out, but. Storm and Wolverine are being cautious and Storm says something about she's prepared to release more lightning to subdue the creature if necessary. And I guess it ears her and retreats back into the sewers and the X-Men go up on the roof <laughs> to hang out some more. Basically talking about how they need to spend more downtime and this always go, 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 and that's bad. That's kind of what happened to Iceman. They weren't there for him when he needed them, so he went evil because no one can talk about anything. Uh, Jubilee has another good line. She says... Even when things got bad, it didn't get serious. Not between us. We could always talk. And so they kind of talk about that. And he will give Wolverine a hard time because he's saying we need to be more open. And Gamma's like, you're not open at all. And he grunts as Storm gives him a hug. So we see some more Wolverine-Storm uh, relationship. And then we see off in space, the alien rejoining with some kind of ship, maybe. Or maybe it's the mothership. It's a big flying saucer with green tentacles. All right. So, um... Wasn't that good? <laughs> the art started off interesting and kind of was okay. I knew it wasn't bad. It was just kind of not, nothing to write home about. Why well, I normally like kind of the downtime stories with the X-Men. The whole zombie alien thing just felt really lame. Um, it could go somewhere, maybe. I'm assuming the aliens are probably going to come back to Earth. It's to be continued, so... I don't think we're done with them, but at first impression, it wasn't very cool. So I didn't really care for it that much. Um, yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of good character moments, but I don't know. The alien thing was stupid, I thought. Um, I'm going to give Astonishing X-Men number 66 uh, one out of three claws. Not uh, the best offering as this series kind of looks like it's going to whimper out of existence. So, we shall see. Anyway, yeah, Astonishing X-Men number 66, one out of three claws. All right, let's move on. Okay, so last up, we have Where's Logan? And in August, Logan makes uh, three guest appearances. One in X-Men number four, one in Deadpool 15, and I'm going to kind of flub this one. He kind of has a fake appearance in a Nova number seven. Well, we'll talk more about that at the end here. All right, so first up, let's talk about X-Men number four. This, of course, is the new all-woman X-Men. Written by Brian Wood. Penciled by David Lopez. Inked by Cam Smith with Norman Lee. Colors by Chris Peter. V.C.'s Joe Caramagna does the letters. And the cover is by Terry and Rachel Dodson. The cover's pretty nice. Um, it's Wolverine and Jubilee hugging each other kind of a symbolic of their long relationship and Wolverine kind of being a father figure to her. That's pretty cool. Um, That's pretty much the gist of this issue. Um, The X-Men team are trying to save a plane and Rachel and Storm are arguing about whether Storm is the right person to lead the team. That's kind of one story. The other story is Wolverine hanging out with Jubilee and the baby in southern california and just kind of catching up with each other of course jubilee is a uh, cover from head to toe and has an umbrella because she's a vampire can't be out on the beach really and just kind of talk about how you know she used to be really immature but she's grown up a lot they drive by her old house wolverine says well this cool I can invest and buy it for you and she's like live in my old bedroom yeah right that's super creepy and then they go back uh, to the mall where the X Men first found Jubilee. And they talk about that and kind of how far she's come, but how it saved her life, you know, after she was orphaned. The X Men taking her in really like made her who she is. And she feels like she can be the same thing for this baby. I like he has a Spider Man bib on. But yeah, so she wants to give the baby the same kind of chances and opportunities that she had. And save the baby's life. And Wolverine thinks that's a good idea. And then they go to the Four Seasons Hotel in L.A. Jubilee takes a nap. And Wolverine uh, calls the realtor. So Wolverine calls the realtor while she's sleeping. And he buys the house and tells the baby not to say anything about it. <laughs> he, goes, he says one day she might feel differently. And it'll be there for her. And if not, at least we're keeping it in the family. But mom's the word. And of course, the X-Men saved the plane. And we end with Wolverine taking a picture of Jubilee and the baby with the iPhone. And that's going to lead into Battle of the Atom. So it was It was okay. Uh, and the stuff between Wolverine and Jubilee was pretty cool. It was a nice kind of to see their relationship again and kind of get a you know good update on where they are now. Um, I'm not really sure if I feel like. Alright, so the argument with the team is Rachel calls out Storm because she was willing to sacrifice Karima? Karima? During the last, uh, the first three issues to defeat, uh, Archaea, I think is her name. The sister of John Sublime. And Rachel's like, no, we should have done everything possible. That should, should not have even been an option. Which, you know, is right most of the time. I don't know if I feel like I like point Rachel would protest to that and, and want to say, yeah, we can't have that as an option, but I don't know if she'd be like, What? Well, you can't be the leader of the X Men. Ah, we're the X Men. You can't I don't know. She came off as having a good point with being kind of bitchy about it. So I don't know, didn't care that much for that. And the whole the X Men saving a plane just so as kind of a a circumstance for them to have an argument <laughs> This is kind of the backdrop to the argument. That part was okay. Um, the art was good. Uh, I'm going to give X-Men number four two out of three claws. Uh, the, the Wolverine Jim stuff was really good. The other stuff was okay. So that's where we end up. Kind of right down the middle. Alright, so Deadpool 15. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Part one of five. This is written by Brian Posehn and Gary Dugan. Art by... Declan Shelby, Colors by Jordy Belair, and Lenders by V.C.'s Joe Sabino. And I hope I said all that right. I'm not entirely convinced I did. but um. So the cover is by Shelby and Belair, or Shelby maybe? I don't know. It's a pretty cool cover. It has Wolverine, Captain America, and Deadpool diving at some machine guns. and uh, Yeah, it's a nice cover. I like it. I like the color. I like Wolverine's scowl and... Yeah, Wolverine looks pretty cool. So, um, alright. I really like Brian Posehn as a comedian. I'm not super familiar with Jerry Dugan. But this book, um, as far as the humor goes, there's a lot. And it's pretty funny. Um, I won't try to really read very many of the jokes, because, you know, it's a Deadpool book. And there's lots of jokes. <laughs> and they're good. There's good one-liners. And also, the letters pages is also very funny. Uh, Deadpool and... Quote unquote answers his own letters and it's pretty humorous. Uh, so the gist of the story is that Deadpool has found out that over time people have been harvesting his organs. And of course, for a while he probably didn't notice because, you know, they just grew back and he healed up and no big deal. But I guess he caught him one time and killed him. But not before he got a name. Butler is in charge. (laughs) He says, that's right, the butler did it. So we go, but we have a flashback to, uh, Deadpool at a Weapon X facility, and basically saying that the the experiment was flushed. They came in, they cured his cancer, but he was crazy, and they, they sent him down a tube out of the factory. We get a really nice page here. It's like a double page spread on the top half, and then some panels on the bottom, but it's naked Wade Wilson all cut up with his cancer, and like a bunch of skeletons and bodies in various stages of decay and like a snowbank. Kind of concentration camp-ish, like when they just throw the bodies aside when they're done in a big snow pit. But the art is really good. It looks really cool. It's very visually uh, kind of stunning. We see Deadpool kind of get up and walk off. Of course, the director is mad. He shoots the scientist and says he wants to get Deadpool back. And we go to now, and we see, because uh, he was mad earlier about how valuable the potential cure for cancer would be and they just kind of flushed it down the toilet and then the the thing they flushed walked off out into the sunset he says but now we see now he's trying to save his daughter and he's at the same old facility which is probably um, mostly abandoned by this point but he has his daughter who has cancer and he wants to get Deadpool back to cure try to cure her and so Deadpool breaks into a hotel Tries to get Wolverine to help him. Does he remember anything about Butler from his time in the Weapon X facility? Kind of gives him a story. And then, so he leaves and he says, Bye, Storm. And we see from under the sheets, dot, 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 like, bye, Wayne. And then, so, um, Deadpool tries to find another Weapon Plus, um, alumni. He finds Captain America. Captain America, uh, says he's scared, and Deadpool's like, you are? He says, yes, and I can actually follow your logic. But I don't really know what, I can't, basically says he can't help him. So then Deadpool decides to, um, stick a little something in his, uh, leg. He cuts his thigh open and embeds this green gel-like substance with something inside. can tell us, like a tracking device. Oh! By the way, he also has a shield agent trapped in his head. Um, her name is Agent Preston, and he, she her dialogue is in pink, and only Deadpool can hear because he trapped her consciousness. So we get lots of funny stuff with that. Then uh, Deadpool decides to sleep in a murder victim house in the actual crime scene, and he goes down. He says, "No wonder everyone here was murdered. There's not a drop of beer anywhere." And he realizes he's not alone, and Wolverine's there. Wolverine and I decided to. Follow up on Deadpool's story, and people are tracking him. But Wolverine's better, he says. And he predicts when they're going to come in, and so Deadpool shoots him through the door, takes his radio, we get a nice snit. And Deadpool and Wolverine basically take out uh, this this force. They were a nice series of panels. They look pretty cool. There's some silhouetted stuff, some shadow work. Looks really nice. Good color work, too. Deadpool leaves him a bomb in the microwave. I don't know where Wolverine runs off to, but he goes somewhere after the house blows up. And Deadpool calls Butler out, rips off his mask in a very uh, compelling scene, says, I'm not a guinea pig anymore. Come and get it. And then we focus in on his eyes, and then we see Butler's reflection in the eyes. Director Butler says he's under. They have Deadpool and a Weapon X, or I guess, no, he's More appropriate to say Weapon Plus at this point. But he's in a Weapon Plus tank and he's all tuned up. They say if he starts to heal and wake up, just cut off his arms and legs. He's never leaving this time. Then I guess the funniest letter is someone says, Dear Deadpool, you know what would make Wolverine really mad? If you and X-23 hooked up. Just a thought. Your pal, uh, Isaac from Oklahoma. (laughs) Deadpool says, nice try, X-23. Call me in two years responsible adult pool. <laughs> and they're all kind of like that. You have funny letters with even funnier responses. So I I enjoyed the writing. It was a good good Deadpool book. Maybe I should have been reading this series the whole time. I kind of read Deadpool off and on. I kind of feel like it doesn't really matter as far as having all the issues. But I thought of Hussein and Dugan did a good job both of writing a compelling story. And, and they made good with the jokes. So yeah, I thought the art was pretty good. The coloring was fantastic. So um, overall, I'm going to give Deadpool 15, three out of three claws. I liked it a lot. All right. So next up, we have Nova, number seven, written by Zeb Wells, penciled by Paco Medina, inked by Juan Velasco, colors by David Curiel, letters by Comet Craft, Albert Duchesny, uh, And the cover is by Ed McGuinness, Dexter Vines, and Marte Gracia. And it's basically, this is a guest appearance by the Superior Spider-Man. We have a really cool cover by McGuinness of Spider-Man and Nova kind of punching at each other with Nova flying down from the top left corner to the bottom right. It's a really, really nice cover. So basically, Wolverine's not really in it. There's a part, so Nova is, is got permission from his mom to be a hero, he goes to New York to try to do some superheroing. But um, he's spotted by the police, and they don't recognize him, so they try to get him. And he flies around. He runs into Spider-Man. They have some banter. Spider-Man tells him basically he's a waste of time as a teenager and gives him some tips. (laughs) Of course, the superior Spider-Man being much more... um, I don't know, he does things different than Peter Parker now, and then he, Doc Ock is in there, and he talks about, like, all the different things he's been doing different, like scanning the police scanner, and stuff like that, and Nova's like, oh, that's a good idea, and his helmet starts scanning, and they see Iron Man fly by, and basically, um, you get to the part. Nova does a bunch of stuff, and he gets to the part where he's, um, he gets the news in his helmet, and we see a bunch of scenes, we see, uh, A guy in a red cross skull mask shooting at Captain America. See some other stuff going on. And his elbow is covering up Wolverine's face on one of the screens. So that's the only Wolverine appearance. Then he goes home and realizes he wasn't very good at a superhero and he decides to help rebuild the skate park that he messed up as Nova. And they all tell him, they offer him some good advice. Basically say you got to kind of grow into being a hero. You need to stop trying to run before you can walk. Then we see the Watcher. The last scene is in his eyes, reflected in his eyes, and it pans out to the whole Watcher, and it keeps panning out. Then he turns his head, and we see Thanos with the Black Order, and that's coming next. So, I know, kind of cheated on that one. Wolverine's really not in it, except for part of his face, even covered up on a TV screen inside Nova's helmet. I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about how good this book has been. This one I'm going to actually give a Nova number 7 two out of three claws, but it's a very strong two. It's a strong issue, and this series has been fantastic. And I'm not really much of a Nova fan, or wasn't until this series, but I've been really, really digging it. And I used uh, the excuse of half of Wolverine's cow as a, a chance to kind of give this, this comic and series a shout-out, because it's been really good and really strong. Anyway, yeah, give uh, Nova number seven a really strong two out of three claws, but most of the, the first issues have all been a pretty solid three, you know, just in case you want in my opinion. Anyway, that is Where's Logan this month, so uh, let's wrap up. Okay, so that's going to do it for this uh, Blockbuster August episode. Had lots of Wolverine in this month. Hope you enjoyed it. want to give a shout-out to our latest member of the Snicked family on Facebook, Daniel Cole. Thank you, Daniel, for liking the page. And also, Daniel is also a uh, one of the hosts on a podcast that I've recently discovered and I have been really enjoying, the Intercomics Podcast. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash, what was it? All right, so it's soundcloudcom inter comics blog and that'll give you a list of all their episodes. So uh, definitely go check that out. It's uh, it's very entertaining, very fun, and they've uh, they've been showing our podcast some love, and kind of vice versa. So definitely want to give them a shout out. So go check it out. Also, as usual, the usual plugs. Please leave an iTunes review if you feel so inclined. Uh, Please like the Facebook page. You can search for the podcast and go snicked on Facebook, or the URL is slash snit podcast fan page. You can email snickcast at yahoo.com. Our Twitter handle is at snickcast. And if you want to go to the website and see show notes and stuff, that's uh, snickcast.podbean.com. All right, so that's all that. Next up will be uh, the next uh, digital Wolverine episode. And, um, until then, take care, hugs and snicks. Bye.